Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Staying Afloat Teaching Podcast. This is going to be a real doozy, really exciting episode. So before we start, thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're on your Monday morning commute to work, maybe you're on a, on a run Tuesday night, you know, the weather's gotten a little nice. Maybe it's Wednesday, you're cooking dinner for yourself. Whatever you're doing, you got the podcast on in the background. Thank you for tuning in. Trying to start positively with this one because this is going to be a contentious episode, I think. Really one that I was like excited to record. But also, I know that this, it's going to be an interesting episode because this is one that, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, this is totally different than what you would expect, hopefully. Because in 2020, we're in a really interesting situation where there's a global pandemic going on, COVID-19. And this is the episode where I got to talk about how's it going to affect my teaching, at least the starting to talk about how it will affect my teaching, because I'm sure by virtue of me launching this podcast in the year 2020 and beginning my first year of teaching during the school year, I'm gonna be talking about this a lot. This is just gonna be the first episode where I lay it all on the table and talk about what I know right now about what it's going to look like at my school and I don't know, just, just talk about my thoughts on it because I think it'd be it's good to get my position out and add to the, the discussion that's going on around the world about opening places up in the United States during COVID-19. And especially in this being a teacher, I'm gonna talk about opening schools up. So first, let's just talk about the, the objective, right? The objective facts, how is my school handling opening up during the COVID-19 pandemic in my state? I, I, I don't wanna say a lot of schools. I don't wanna say this is something that is happening a lot in a lot of places, but my school is going to attempt in-person teaching. And it's very a very contentious subject because a lot of schools are starting to come out with their plans of whether it will be all online or all in person. My school is taking a hybrid approach. So my schedule, I will go in four days a week. I will teach in person, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesday is going to be an all online day. It's not going to be full school days. The, the actual schedules are changing, but I don't think that's you know super important. I guess it is because you know, it minimizes the amount of time that people are in school. And then students are going to be split in half, two groups. Only one group will be in the school at once. So, for instance, you know, group one comes in Monday, Tuesday. Uh, group two will come in Thursday, Friday. And then for the next week, they swap. So then group two comes in the next Monday, Tuesday. And group one comes in that Thursday, Friday. The goal being that students come in school four days in a row, except for the, the weekend, of course. And then they have a large amount of time over a week where they're not in school. So they're kind of, I don't know, I don't want to call it quarantining because it's not really a long enough period to, to call it that. But essentially, that that's that's the point. So that's what my schedule is going to look like. But of course, so while I'm teaching in person, I'll have a group of students in person. I'll have another group of students and I'm still teaching at the same time. They're still in my class. So I'm saying I'm teaching group one in person. Group two is still gonna be in class, except online and maybe in like a Zoom meeting or whatever program we use. But then in addition, there's a third group of students that kind of out, that's outside of this, this picture. They're still assigned to either group one or group two, but either they or their parents have said, I don't want my kid coming into school during a pandemic. They don't need to come in. So there's gonna be some students I'm teaching in person, some students I'm teaching online, but who come in person on different days, and another group of students that I will never see in person during the school year. So there's this very weird kind of like three groups of students I have to teach all at once, 
and we'll get into how that's going to affect planning. Well, really, I'm you know I'm not 100 percent sure. It's it's I'm not quite ready to talk about that because it's 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 a really difficult thing to do to have to teach all of these students. And I have some ideas of how I'm going to handle it, but nothing is absolutely set in stone right now. So that's what the student body will kind of look like for me. Now, the question you might have is, are teachers allowed to not come into work? You know, or do they have to teach in person? And the answer is yes. So teachers have to come in four days a week, maybe five. The fifth day might be optional or it might be required. I don't think that's set in stone yet, but teachers have to come in. So, whoa, future Carmen, coming in hot. Uh, so it turns out the day that I recorded this, I got an email later because things are, again, this is a really continuously evolving situation. And I want to give the truest information. So this email was from the superintendent of my district. The governor of my state had recently sent an email saying, okay, we have determined that before we said schools have to open and teach at least partly in person. Now they kind of went back on that. So now they're saying, actually, now we're going to give schools permission to teach all online if they want. So sadly, you know, it's, it's a really interesting situation because my school, I'm part of a really good school district that is prepared really diligently and put a lot of time and resources into putting together a new program, sanitizing the school, getting it all ready for in-person teaching. And then for the state to walk back on that, to say like, okay, now you can do it all online. I think they're kind of in too deep. So we're still teaching online. We're still teaching in-person. Now I think the only thing that's going to change is we're still doing this blended you know, approach, but teachers are now given the option where if they make a case that they don't want to come in, they don't have to come into school anymore and they could teach fully online classes. You know, it's what I get for recording the episode. It's kind of still early. This is a constantly evolving situation. I guess I'll update it as I learn more. For me, that's not a big deal because I'm 22. And if I did, you know, hopefully not catch the coronavirus, I'm hopeful that, you know, at least I'm not coming home to anybody who's more susceptible. I'm not, you know, I don't have a, a pre-existing condition that would make me susceptible. Obviously, I don't want to catch it. But for me, this is not as big of a, a problem as some of my coworkers and the families of coworkers and the families of students. And, you know, again, it's a really delicate situation. But I, I want to I wanna take a step back, okay? So that's that's the facts. That's what my school is doing. And I don't really want to dwell on that too much. I just really wanted to give some context to everything else I'm going to say because then the discussion is not about plans. Schools are going to have different plans, and I hope that they take really measured, calculated plans. But I think the good discussion is on you know the subjective. What do I think about this entire situation? And you know, I said in the first episode, it's all going to be a positive discussion. So I really, this is my theme that I want to anchor this episode on. I think school administrators have a really challenging job to do right now. They have really an almost impossible task because they have to balance really, really delicately the amount of value that they want to bring to their students, the education that they want to bring to students with the safety of the entire community. And it's really challenging to balance these two things, okay? And I have faith in school administrators, at least my district administrators, that they are taking the right steps to do that. Balancing the value of this this year of education with the safety of the community. And it's, it's not easy because to give the best amount of value, you'd have to sacrifice some safety. And the sacrifice, you know, to have more safety, you might have to go down on the value bit because, you know, you'd have to shift to online, you have to take away different resources, you know, it's 
that's a really, really challenging thing. And I think the sooner we appreciate that districts that try to make that balance work, you know, that take a lot of, of steps and put a lot of effort into really making sure this balance is, is good for their community, we have to applaud those people because not everyone is doing that. There are some districts, I'm sure, who aren't taking this seriously. And, you know, I, I think a lot of, when I, when I get the vibe of people, some people come at this with good intentions and bad intentions, right? This whole reopen the country. When you come with bad intentions, to me, when you say, let's reopen the country, just, oh, well, let's open up schools, let's open up everything. If you come at that thinking that everything is going to reopen and be just as it was before, to me, you're coming at this with bad intentions because there is no way you can reopen schools without having a measured, calculated, well-thought-out plan of how to maximize the safety of your community. If you're just saying open things, and everything will be okay, you know, we just, we have to go back to the way things were, you have bad intentions to me, because you're ignoring the fact that people are going to suffer from this. Now, on the other hand, if you're a school administrator that says, well, I have to open, I'm being told by someone or something, I have to open up, let's take measures to do this in the safest way possible. I think I believe in those people. I, I, I truly I don't see these people in a negative view. So my school administrators, I do not look at them negatively because they want to do in-person teaching because I trust that they are doing this in a way that will maximize the value and the safety of the community. I trust them and I see what my school is doing. They are taking a lot of precautions, really measured precautions to make this as safe an environment as possible. Now you can argue they shouldn't be opening at all because we are in a pandemic. And I, I think that absolutely holds water because this is not going to be a normal school year. That is a, a truth that you have to accept, especially if you are 100% gung-ho on opening the schools. And you, of course, you know, a lot of these people that say, oh, we got to open the schools, they don't have any plans themselves. They just want to see the world go back to normal to make them happy. If you do that, you have to be willing to accept that this is not going to look like a regular school year. It's just not. It's a, it's a harsh truth. No matter what we do, it's not going to be a normal school year. Because again, there's this balance. We're not going to be able to get through all of the curriculum that we want to get to, all of the content and all of the depth that we would normally do in a regular year, because we, we it's just not possible. Because again, we have to put that safety bit in. And it's really important. We, I've, I believe, like you should, I think, it's not worth sacrificing the lives of humans to teach them physics <laughs> or to teach them anything. It's not like it's it's not even comparable. And that's why I, I think when we see these people talking about like, oh, only a certain percentage of people are going to get sick or even worse, die. You could say, oh, 1.6%, 0.6% or whatever, the population will be affected. Open, that's nothing. That number might mean nothing to you, from a mathematics standpoint, but from a human standpoint, as soon as your dad, your mom, your uncle, your a family member, a significant other, a friend is in that 0.6%, you're not going to feel the same way. You're really not. Like it's, it's, you can't look at this strictly statistically and mathematically, in my mind. Again, I, I'm kind of getting on a tangent because, again, this is I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this as someone who's literally going to be thrown in the middle of the workforce during this pandemic with not a lot of agency on my part. 
again, I, I think going back to, you know, not rambling here, <laughs> which is, it's going to be tough to not do. I have notes here, but it's tough to not ramble about a subject like this because there's so much to talk about. The subjective, going back to that, we have to balance this. I think as a teacher, I have a duty to do my best to maximize the value for my students. And again, I think the administration is doing a good job of maximizing the safety and doing a lot of work in the back end so that teachers don't have to, at least in my district. So of course I need to enforce this mask policy 100%. Uh, I should have mentioned that everyone is gonna be wearing masks. I need to do my job to enforce that but I think the administration is doing a good job of enforcing that for me, if that makes sense. So students are already coming in with this expectation. Students are already coming in with an expectation of walking on certain sides of the hallway or taking certain routes, not using the bathroom at certain times. What I mean by this is I, I think that a lot of arguments that could happen, it's not really up to me to have those arguments. Like people aren't gonna be yelling at me for these rules, and I, I don't think people should be yelling at anyone for these precautionary rules. But if they are, they aren't gonna be yelling at me, they're gonna be yelling at the administration. So my job as a teacher is still on teaching. And again, I think it's really good on administrations that are taking these really measured, calculated approaches. That's, again, it's great. It makes me feel good. And it makes me feel positive to make the most out of this situation as a teacher. My job is still just to teach. It's still to keep things safe too, but you know, most of my job is still to just be a teacher, which I can do. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, hopefully, <laughs> I, I was relatively prepared for that. Uh, it's, you know, again, that's the point of the podcast. We'll see how well I can do that. So again, it's good to remember that whenever you're feeling, you know, whatever you're feeling through this situation, school administrators probably want the best for their community. And so do teachers. We want the best for our community. It's also true that we can't take a year off. Education cannot take a year off. But again, that's a truth. And a harsher truth is it's not going to be a normal year. No matter what you want, it's not going to be a normal year. So then I, I think to me as a teacher, it's up to me to in my classroom, again, make the most out of this year, give students the most value I possibly can while maximizing their safety in my classroom, and also just to keep this a positive environment. So to me, because I've accepted that this is not gonna be a normal school year content-wise, kids are not gonna leave with you know going through all the content that I would normally, normally be able to get through, and in the way I would normally be able to get through because some of this education will be online, Things I can do 100%, if I can't put 100% into the physics, into the content, I can put 100% of my effort into making this a positive environment, making my classroom a place that students look forward to coming to in person instead of fearing coming to in person. And at the same time, if they have to come online, I would hope, hope beyond hope, I don't know if there's a way to do this, but I really wanna find a way, to have students log into my Zoom classroom and be happy that they're there. Not be, you know, dreading the fact that they have to sit through this online lecture and I'm making it, you know, I, I wanna make things as entertaining and as positive as possible to make students want to come to class. And that should be my goal all the time. But I guess what I'm saying is, whether there's a pandemic or there's not a pandemic, I can do that. Regardless of what medium I'm teaching through, I think I have the agency to, to create this kind of classroom environment. and. Again, the, this is the kind of mindset that I just want to have throughout this. So, again, I'm the type of person that's not going to dwell on this negative situation. Where, of course, it's it's a negative situation, but it doesn't have to be strictly negative. 
my goal is to make some positive come out of this. And 100%, I can do that not on the content side. Well, I, I can do it on the content side, but I can do it 100% on the classroom environment and the kind of person I am when I come to class. I'm going to come positive. I'm not going to come complaining about current events all the time. I don't want to bring down my class. I really want to make my class kind of like a, a safe haven, as safe as it can be within this pandemic. And what I mean by that is kids aren't going to come here and, I guess, leave sad or leave disappointed. You know, I, I want them to leave, you know, if they come at me with a neutral zero, I want them to leave at a plus five, right? I want to impact them positively. And I can still do that whether it's a pandemic or not. If you're enjoying the podcast and want another way to engage with the content, consider following the podcast's Twitter, at Afloat Teaching. There you can stay up to date with notifications for the release of new episodes and get some behind the scenes on the development of the podcast. DMs are also open for feedback or questions for future Q&A segments, and all suggestions are welcome and appreciated. I'll even shout you out. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the episode. There's a lot of challenges that are going to come with teaching two groups of students, you know, like one in person and one online at the same time. And honestly, a lot of that, it's not, I don't have the answers to these questions that I have myself yet. I'm not 100% sure of the best way to do that. The thing that I'm disappointed in is it's gonna seem like a lot more direct instruction is going to have to happen, especially on the online days. The most I can get students to do in terms of problem solving if they're online is go in breakout sessions with their friends and talk to them. But of course, you know, it's, it's not the same as being in a classroom where I can have them build things. I can have them use their hands. And I, again, I, I can make use of that while we're in class. But for the, group of, for the groups of students that aren't in class, it makes me feel bad if everyone is not on an equal playing field. So during a lesson, if I have a demo, I want everyone to be able to see that demo. If I have an activity, you know, I, for me, it's not going to make me happy if people in class get a better experience than people not in class, you know, because it's, it's, at that point, it's not really fair to me. So one of the things I really want to do, again, and this is a challenge I'm going to face, is can I find activities that can be done both in class and at home? And a lot of this will be virtual things. And I think it's good to keep things virtual because, again, the more things in my classroom I have students touching and using, you know, the more things I have to sanitize and, you know, it's, it, the environment can be a little bit less safe. There's some really good resources online that have pretty classic physics labs and physics demos and experiments that I would have students do in person that I can have students do in class on their computers and online on their computers and both students get the same experience. It's better in person because they can talk to their peers and talk to me and point at things on their screen and it's just an easier environment for that. But you know, I, I, I wanna make things equitable. But at the same time, Maybe I don't. Maybe the point of the in-person teaching is it is better for these students to come in. But then, you know, I have to really balance this because say we do a really cool activity in person uh, on a Monday, Tuesday. And then when the next group comes in, am I going to repeat that activity? Am I going to repeat that with them? And if I do, what am I going to have the other groups of students do on the flip side? So I guess I have to really develop two different things. So while group one is in person doing, you know, an activity, group two has a totally separate activity and they're online. And at that point, I'm not even paying attention to them because if I have to facilitate group one's activity, group two's doing something completely different. What am I going to do? And I guess that would flip on this, you know, Thursday, Friday. Again, I, I need to think about what my goals are and if that's something I'm okay with and if students are okay with that. Because I can tell, you know, as a student, if 
I'm in a Zoom classroom and the teacher's not even paying attention to me because they're paying attention to the in-person class. Am I going to do the work? Some students will, some students won't. It depends on what I'm telling them to do. And you know, I, I, again, this will be questions that I have. You know, will that work well with the group of students I have? In some schools it might, in some schools it won't, in some classes it might, with some classes it won't. Now I have all honors and AP kids, so maybe that can be successful. Again, these are the, a lot of things that I'm trying to think about. And a lot of this, again, like there's some planning that I can do right now, but I'm not really going to know what to plan for until I get 100%. This is what my schedule will look like. This is the number of students I'll have because I don't even know what number of students I have in both of these groups and what number of students won't even come in at all. You know, there's, there's just so many factors. And I, I want to involve my students in this planning process as much as possible because, again, I, I want to maximize their value and I want to give them, you know, a reason to want to log into Zoom, other than the fact that they, they have to. So if students come to me and I, I and they say, I don't like that you do these activities where you're not paying attention to us online because it incentivizes me to not do work, I would say, yeah, 100% you're right. What can we do to fix this problem? You know, what, what can I do? You know, can we do check-ins? Will that help you with work? You know, is there something I can do to both you know, facilitate both the in-class and online activities if they're different. And can I even do that if they're the same? I don't know, I, I'm really rambling now because these are things that I really want answers to because I have to start teaching soon and no one really knows the answer. Uh, it, it's gonna be interesting. To me, again, I'm coming at this from a position of growth. This is gonna be a really interesting time to be a teacher. I have so much to learn. I'm kind of just excited to do that. So I'm not really afraid of failure in the sense that I'm worried about these kind of two activity kind of planning things. And I'm not really angry that I have to plan them, to be honest, because again, I, I don't think it'll be that challenging. I, I'm more interested in what's the best way to do it. I'm not angry that I have to do it in the first place. I think that this is a year where if you're a t any teacher, if you come at this with a bad mindset, this is gonna be a great year to get burnt out. And I don't wanna get burnt out in my first year by coming at this with a bad mindset. So I, again, I'm trying to talk about things that anyone can, can get from this, like value anyone can get from this, whether in education or not. I think no matter what you're doing, you can challenge yourself to get a good mindset out of this. Everyone is going through a bad situation right now. And again, this is one of the things I've been telling people. When people ask me, are you, angry that you're the class of 2020 that you graduated during a pandemic i said no because this sucks for everyone everyone has something that they lost here you know everyone's lives have been disrupted the most you can do is make the most out of the situation that you're in and that's what i'm going to try to do and that's why i encourage everyone to do to try to stay positive during these really crappy times you know it's it's, it's the truth and the sooner you accept that truth and move on from it i, I think the happier we'll all be and, you know, the better my class will be, the better everyone's experiences with other people will be during this time. I think it's also really important to recognize the opportunities that this pandemic gives us. There are opportunities in here. They're not obvious, but they're there. So one of the opportunities that I have here is admitting at the very start of the school year, having a conversation that to me will look like this. I'm 100% going to do this, I think. A lot of the students I'll be teaching are ninth graders. And all the ones that aren't ninth graders will be AP students. They're probably in their first AP class. So this is a great year for all of us to say, hey, this is your first year in high school, or this is your first year in an AP class. This is my first year as a teacher. And this is all of our first years trying to learn as normal students and teachers in a global pandemic. 
So this is a really novel situation. We're not separate in this. You know, we're, we're not, we, we don't have to be different people. We're all in a really interesting stage of our lives. We all have so much to learn from this. We should be thankful that we get to learn together. We're not alone in this, right? So we're all gonna struggle here. I'm gonna struggle in my first year of teaching. A lot of you, a lot of my students might struggle in their first year in these challenging courses. And we're all, we all have been struggling through this quarantine, through this pandemic, trying to make the most of it, and just dealing with the fact that our lives have been pretty violently disrupted. We don't have to be alone in this, right? This is this classroom that I want to cultivate is a place where we can talk about this, you know, where we can talk about the best ways to learn in this environment. Again, to me, that's exciting. That's something that can excite me. I'm not depressed to go in this classroom. I'm not depressed to teach. I'm really excited to kind of tackle these problems with my students, even though I haven't met them yet. I'm confident that we can have some pretty cool discussions about that. And for me, that's one of the good things about teaching high schoolers, even if they're in ninth grade, I think they're at the maturity or the level of maturity that we can have these kind of discussions and talk about what life is like as a ninth grader in this pandemic, or as a 10th grader in this pandemic, or as a teacher in this pandemic. In addition, you know, going back to content, there's an opportunity with content here. Even though we might not be covering like a standard curriculum, we can add to this curriculum because there's a lot going on right now in science in the 21st century because this issue is a scientific issue. There's there's politics involved with this pandemic, but I think the pandemic, you know, a global pandemic is a scientific issue. And as a science teacher, I think I have a duty to talk about that in my classroom and challenge my students to think like, hey, what do you think about how our country and other countries have handled this pandemic? What do you think about how we treat and view scientists in our society? And why do you think we do that? What could we, you know, what can we gain from this? And what can we learn from this? And, you know, that's really important to me because I think all classes can do that. But as a science teacher with knowledge of you know, the process of science, this is a really cool opportunity to educate students on what science is and what kind of research is being done about the pandemic. You Google COVID-19, even, you know, a lot of the media is covering science research. You know, they're, they're covering, oh, like, this is how this group of scientists claims uh, it spreads. Or this is how this group of scientists is claiming, you know, this type of mask is better than this type of mask. You know, you, you can scour the internet. There's a ton of these scientific studies. What do we make from them? How can we interpret them? Are there good ones, bad ones? For certain, there are. And how do we avoid the bad ones and pick out studies that are not really based in science? <laughs> you know, there's, there's a really thin line between opinion and science on the internet right now. And I think, again, this is just such a great time to educate people about that and educate them in a way that is not me forcing my opinion in their throat, right? I think there's a way to do it without me sharing my opinion at all. Maybe they'll be able to infer what my stance is based on the fact that I'm a college-educated scientist. But there's a way to do this in a way that is not, this is a group of stupid people, let's laugh at them. Because that's to me, that's not productive. We don't want to do that. We want to look at what's going on on the internet and what are our interpretations of it and why. And what kind of research can we do to back up our interpretations and back up our, our viewpoints? And you know, how can we talk about these with people in scientific ways, not in arguments, but through argumentation, where we're putting points and arguments forward and we're not yelling at each other like a lot of people seem to do in this very you know, violent time. In addition, physics is all over. I'm really fortunate as a teacher of physics that there's plenty of physics in my students' homes. So even for the students that will never set foot in my classroom, 
I can show them a lot of physics or I can point, give the, you know, direct their attention towards a lot of the physics that's in their classroom. So, you know, right off the bat, I'm teaching AP Physics 2. There's a lot of thermodynamics in that. If any of these students have ever cooked or watched their parents cook, there's a lot of stuff in the kitchen about thermodynamics. There's a lot of stuff that power their houses that deal with electronics and electric circuits and anything with you know electricity and even magnetism because everyone students every student knows what magnets are. There's just there's there's so much content in physics that I can literally tell my students to say you know if you're not familiar with fluids this is gonna sound weird but hey look at your toilet. Tell me how your toilet works using the principle of physics, the principles of physics that we just learned in class today. You you can do that, and to me, that's students might laugh at that. But then they might go home after class, look at their toilet, and open up the top and be like, "Yo, this is cool. I know how this works now because I've studied fluids." There's so much there, and to me, I, I'm getting giddy at it because I'm a huge nerd. But there's there's a lot of stuff that you can do, not just in science. I'm sure in every class, while students are at home. You can bring your class to their house, or I should say use their experiences at home to bring to your classroom, even if you can't meet with them in person. And that might be a little bit of an argument for why we should be fully online, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I think, again, if, if I was fully online, my job would be easier because I wouldn't have to do this kind of dual planning I was talking about. But there's more. there's value to being in person. There's value to being online. And again, it's just all about this balance. You know, accept that the balance is there. Trust that people in charge are doing this balance well. I think, you know, this, this what I just said is a good segue to kind of the last thing I want to talk about. There are people doing this balance, and it's not always teachers. I think for me as a teacher, I don't really have a lot of agency in this situation. And I have to admit that because I was kind of told you will be teaching in person. You have to come in a certain number of days a week. And that's, you know, that's it. There's no discussion there. Now, of course, you know, again, you can get really down by that. You can get down by the government's telling teachers how to do their jobs or administrators are telling teachers how to do their jobs. Again, it goes back to what are the intentions of these people? A lot of these people have well-meaning intentions. And so even though, again, if I don't have a lot of agency, I trust that some people, again, the, the administrators in my school are trying to maximize the safety and the value for this community. And in addition, again, like I said, the situation sucks for everyone. Everyone is struggling through this. And again, it's not going to be productive for me to complain that I'm forced into this awful situation. If you're forced in an awful situation, at least is my take on it, you can make the most out of it. It's up to you to do that. If you don't have control over the situation you're in, you do have control over how you handle it. And I, I want to handle it in the most productive, positive way that I can. I don't want to burn out in my first year of teaching. Plain and simple. You know, I want to be a teacher for many years. This is going to be one of the hardest years of my career. Maybe I'm thankful that it's my first one. Maybe I'm thankful that theoretically every year from this should get a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I kind of teeter top between wishful thinking and, you know, weird optimism. And I don't know. That's the way I'm choosing to think about this. You know, if there's anything you gain from this episode, I hope it's that you have control over how you think of this situation. We're all going into these really crazy times, but we're all in this together, and we all have a certain amount of agency. No matter what you think or what situation you're in, we all have agency in what we think and how we choose to handle the situation that's been dealt to us. So I hope that you choose to handle it in a positive way. I hope I continue to handle it in a positive way. I've done a lot of talk in this episode. I'm excited to act on it. 
right? That's kind of what the podcast is about. Just me talking and me hoping that I act on the stuff that I talk about. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to talk about that as I actually start to get into my teaching. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And I, again, I hope you got some value out of this. I know I really got some value out of talking about this. And again, I, I'm glad that I was able to do it in a positive way because this is not a totally positive environment. But anyway, again, thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time.